You're listening to another great podcast in the MyMac Podcasting Network. Hello, everybody, and I'm back again. Uh, it was almost another solo show, but you are saved. Mac Jim from the Slack Room, uh, a prolific contributor, to be honest, uh, very active in the Slack Room. He puts articles on the website, and uh, an awful lot of the stories we report on on here often come via uh, Jim. So, uh, welcome, Jim. Everybody should be grateful that you've agreed to come on the show. And uh, would you like to introduce yourself? Yes, uh, I am a Mac user, enthusiast, uh, Scotsman, as you can tell by the accent. Um, also a photographer and uh, the host of the Essential Apple Slack uh, user scripts uh, Flickr website. You are indeed. You are indeed. So... Um, this week, there's been a few stories. Um, of course, probably the biggest story of all was uh, Elon Musk and his uh, interestingly styled cyber truck um, with not unbreakable windows. Uh, we'll get to that later. Um, and uh, the other big story, I guess, is really the strange announcement that Apple are going to have a December the 2nd media event honouring favourite apps and games which again we'll get to uh, in a moment. But those who follow the Slack room will know that uh, Jim has had quite a saga with his iPhone and a weird bug uh, affecting the contacts. So, um, Jim, do you want to tell the listeners about your somewhat annoying and uh, rather frustrating bug with your iPhone? Yes, um, it only started uh, when... I installed iOS 13, so it's obviously an iOS 13 problem. And it seems to only affect those that use uh, Virgin Media, Virgin Mobile uh, operating systems uh, on their phones. And what happens is it corrupts the phone numbers and turns them into Belgium style numbers. So you've got two numbers, space, two numbers, space, and so on. Uh, this results in you losing calls. They either go directly to the answer service or you don't get them. But if you phone out, like phoning for a taxi after I went out at the pub, it dials a Belgium number. It's not a lot of good if you want a taxi from Belgium to my home. <laughs> yeah, and I would think a lot of, uh, you know, Glasgow uh, taxi cabs are not keen on uh, answering a call, which is, uh, can you pick me up in Antwerp? <laughs> <laughs> but, the other, but the other problem is it um, resulted in uh, a lot of missed calls. And they end up with me trying to get through to Apple to book an appointment with the Genius Bar in Glasgow. Now, if many have tried this themselves, uh, you will realise that it's extremely difficult to book an appointment to see a genius. Apple seems to have a system where it does its best to put you off getting an appointment. It'll try all kind of Q&A questions and answers, which none, none of them will actually you know, resolve your issue. But uh, I managed to get two appointments, one last week and one yesterday. Uh, the result is it's turned out to be 
a problem with Virgin Media, Virgin Mobile, and iOS 13. Their answer was to reset your language or your region, or region more, more, more to the point, to either Belgium or America or somewhere else, restart the phone, and that was supposed to fix it. It does for a short while, uh, maybe a couple of days, maybe even half a day, and you have to do exactly the same thing again, or restart the phone. Uh, wiping the phone, put new iOS on again, all these things haven't worked. Uh, so I'm left with the problem of either setting it in like Jersey, which means that some of the apps disappear uh, because they're not available in Jersey, or you stick with the problem and hope for the best. That, I have to say, is decidedly frustrating in, in the extreme. Um, it's, yes, it's very much. Because, of course, the other thing is um, Apple helpfully added a kind of uh, send unknown callers to voicemail. But if it's going to basically corrupt all your phone numbers, every phone number is an unknown number. So I'm assuming nearly every single call would be directed to your voicemail. Yeah, but also they don't always go to voicemail. They just go to missed calls. Because um, there's, there's a problem with voicemails, uh, especially with Virgin Media, where it may be days later you got you discover you've missed a call and there's an answer service call there. So that doesn't help things either, especially if it's an urgent call. Um, other things I use is uh, I have a, an app which... Um, it supposedly blocks um, spam calls, and I can't remember what it's called. I'm busily searching here for the <laughs> yeah uh, higher. Uh, okay. I have a I have a premium account higher. That's H I Y A, and it's meant to uh, stop spam calls coming through. So whether that's also affecting, I don't know. But it's certainly it's a, it's an iOS thirteen and a Virgin uh, Media problem. It's a known issue as well. Right. So there you go. That's that's Jim's public service announcement for any of you who are on iOS thirteen and Virgin Media and are having a problem. You are not alone. Um, not sure that's much help, but <laughs> at least no, it means you're not going mad. You are not going no, mad. It's a real thing. Well, I had a vision of going into the Apple Store yesterday for my second appointment um, and for them to just replace the phone. And then I was expecting to have a fight with them regarding my Apple Care because the last time that happened, they wouldn't transfer the Apple Care over to the new phone. Uh, so I thought, okay, we're going to have a wee fight here. I've paid for two years, I'm not giving it up. But fortunately, you know, they didn't replace the phone, they just left it as, you know, Switch switch a language region and switch it back. That was the answer. Right. So that's that's not really an answer, is it? That's a kind of no, no, temporary it's, it's, workaround. It's just up to Apple to get the bugs sorted and it stop is. this happening. Yeah. So there we go. Um, let's hope they get it resolved soon. Then. Um, yep. But for what it's worth, Jim, um, mm. I'm on thirteen point three. Uh, beta and that's mm -hmm. on uh, 13.3 I think it just went on to beta 3 so based on um, current track records that won't be far away and let's hope that perhaps that will resolve your issue well you, you can see why I've written a couple of articles about uh, my annoyance with Apple um, to the point where I've actually considered moving to 
dumb phones, but that's another story. That's yeah. another story altogether. Uh, yeah, yep. but um, there are anybody who's interested in uh, Jim's story about looking at dumb phones, of course, go to the website and you can read his articles thereon. Um, there we are. Uh, well, so where shall we move on to? Uh, let me see. Apple have announced a December the second New York City media event honouring favourite apps and games of 2019. Um, I, I I wasn't sure what to make of this, and I don't think many other people are either, because normally, uh, the you know the honouring apps and games of 2019 is a thing that they just post up you know, on on the website. Um, they list, you know, the games that were, um, games and apps that have been voted for the, you know, honour of Apple App of the Year and Game of the Year and, and so on. Um, so, I I don't know, what you got any thoughts on that, Jim? Not really. It's the first I've heard of it. Um, I mean, they do normally have uh, their favourite apps uh, announced every year, so I don't know what's different about it. Uh, no, I don't, nobody seems to know. Other than this, this year they want to have a a live media event. Um, yeah. I'm wondering if it's something to do with the fact that there's been a few changes of uh, heads of department, like Angela's arm height is, is now yeah. no longer there. I'm wondering if it's anything to do with the changes and the top management, whether they're doing something different. It could be. Uh, the other thing that, uh, of course, sprung immediately to my mind is if you're going to be talking about games, if they're going to use that as a way to promote the Apple Arcade. Um... Yeah, it could be something to do with the fact that, obviously, last year we didn't have arcades, uh, Apple TV Plus, or whatever they about this last couple of months. Maybe that, that's a new format to deal with all these new services. Uh, yeah, yeah. We can only wait and see. I guess, yes, we will have to wait and see. Um, I mean, maybe it is, as you say, with some certain changes at the top, maybe they've just got um, thought they should make more of it than simply publishing a list mm-hmm. of, um, you know, their top apps. We shall wait yeah. and wait with uh, interest, I think, to see what happens there. Um, I'm well, guessing it. Sorry. Well, I'm just saying, I, I'm I'm pretty sure, yeah, it's obviously it's going to do what it says on the tin. I, I doubt there'll be anything um, particularly surprising about it, other than perhaps they're mm-hmm. just trying to pump up a bit more interest. Um, yeah. I don't know, what to gain, I don't know what they hope to gain out of it. Um, you, you think it's trying to get folk to buy into arcade? It, it could be. It could be that. Um, or it could... Possibility. Sorry. I mean, the other thing is that there were because of the changes um, in over sort of tw- uh, iOS twelve and thirteen, there were mm-hmm. several companies who um, had been absent from the App Store who were tempted back. So I mm-hmm. mean, there might there might be a certain amount of that, a bit of um, promoting, you know. Um, but I don't know. We we will have to wait and see. Um, yeah. And. Uh, there's a story here from Ars Technica uh, saying to cut down on bugs, Apple is changing how it develops its software. Um, basically, I, I read this and um, they're suggesting that in, in forthcoming betas, they will make um, certain um, more content- contentious possible new features opt in. Um, 
Mm. I, I don't quite see how that's going to work because it, surely the point of the beta is to find bugs. Um, if something in the beta, uh, you know, if half the people on the beta turn something off because it's known to be buggy, I, I don't really see how that's going to help you. But I don't know. I'm not a developer. Yeah. There might, there no, might not, be. Not am I. No. No. I mean, mm. there might be reasons that works. Maybe, you know, maybe that, that you could use it as a way to filter out what's an interaction between features causing a bug and what's actually a bug in a feature. But um, mm. people with uh, more knowledge than me can uh, prognosticate on that one, I think. Um, yeah. But there's a link there. Anybody who wants to uh, read that article uh, from Ars Technica and anybody who wants to uh, give me feedback and explain how that helps, uh, <laughs> maybe Weihan or uh, you know mm-hmm. somebody else yep. can tell us more about that. Um, I think I would think Weihan is probably the be- the better person uh, yes, to give an I, answer to that. Yeah. I think probably so. Um, mm-hmm. There we go. Uh, Tim Cook has uh, been on what was it ABC News. Uh, he appeared on ABC News in America, um, and he said apparently I will fight until my toes point up for uh, DACA. That's the that's the Dreamers program, of course. Um, he said some other things. Uh, I've got a Mac Rumors summary of the uh, interview and then a link to the actual ABC News interview. Um, it's Tim Cook saying Tim Cook things. Um, oh, go away. I don't need your <laughs> pop-up. Trying to read it and I've got a huge pop-up. Uh, and, oh, yes, look, here's a pop. There's a thing. It's in my, it's one of my tips. It's my top tip for the week. If you go to a website and you get one of those annoying banners about cookies and privacy and all the rest of it that covers up the content, 99% of the time, if you press read a view in Safari, um, you can read the article without agreeing to anything or jumping through hoops, trying to decide what you want to allow and what you don't. There you go. That's a twop tip. There we are. Twop tip. (laughs) <laughs> and if you're, if, if, you're in, uh, if you're in Europe, the uh, European Union, you'll get a pop-up uh, warning saying, do you agree or do you disagree to uh, the settings? If you disagree to it, you still get the article as well. Yeah. Um, yeah, that also helps. There we are. Um, Tim Cook in October has signed an amicus brief, which is a support document urging the Supreme Court to uphold DACA and protect dreamers in the United States. He said, I will fight until my toes point up on the subject. I think it is so core to who we are as people that we not turn our back on people that came to this country as kids. There Mm -hmm. we go. Um, And um, Uh, he's had a poke at privacy as well. Yeah. Um, I'm I'm semi-interested in what's happening in America. Um, And I do follow a wee bit of the yeah, you know, the the ons and goings of uh, the impeachment and all this sort of thing, and the uh, changes to uh, privacy and things in Latin America, and it is quite worrying. Uh, it's been going, so it's good to see somebody actually standing up and fighting for everybody else, everybody's rights. Uh, so yeah, carry on, yep. fight the fight, fight the fight. That's right. Uh, Cook spoke on privacy and reiterated comments. Uh, he said he does not want to know your personal details and is not trying to vacuum up your data. Uh, he said that he is very worried in a world where nothing is private, then freedom of expression uh, evaporates. There we go. And I think basically we know that he's poking uh, he's poking a finger at Facebook and Google, mostly. Um, uh, which actually, there's a... Um, 
in the show notes, I, I made a, a, a note down here in the security and privacy section. Um, I found an article from iDrop News, who I've never heard of, by the way. Um, 1.2 billion user record leak proves how important Apple's privacy policies are. Um, it's worth a read. Um, a security researcher found um, an unsecured uh, data store uh, on the net available to anybody who knew where to look with 1.2 billion user records uh, containing things like names, addresses, telephone numbers, email addresses. Um, as the article said, nothing in it was particularly, um, you know, uh, uh, contentious. Most of the information that was in this um, hoard of data uh, is stuff that is, you know, publicly available. So it didn't, it didn't contain any... Uh, Things like social security numbers or, or other things that uh, perhaps, you know, are, are considered more personal. But yeah. um, the author's um, the, the author's main thrust was just, you know, it just shows how all these companies are hoovering up your data, um, even if you think it's not particularly important data. You know, names, addresses, yeah. email addresses. And then there are companies out there who are aggregating this into huge databases which they are selling on, you know, to advertisers and um, and other people. So uh, that's worth a read. It's not a particularly long piece, um, but the, the author is saying, you know, this is why it's important that uh, we have companies that are prepared to protect our private data. Um, yeah. No, I mean, no, I'm, I've, I don't use Facebook and I don't use Twitter. And I've even gone to the extent of actually switching off Siri now. Um Although Apple's probably one of the better ones of keeping your privacy, uh, I'm certainly not wanting to have something listening into my conversations. Um, you know, it's just with myself. Um, <laughs> but no, I've 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 actually got to stage now. You no know, serious serious stuff, both on the iPad, the iPhone, uh, also on my Mac and my TV. Uh, well, yeah. I have I have my Siri. Um, I I do use Siri occasionally, hmm. not a lot. But I do not have turned on the um, Hey Siri function. If yeah. I want Siri, I activate it, you know, by pressing the key. Um, partly because I have a great deal of problem uh, getting Siri to actually respond to me when I mm -hmm. shout the key phrases. Um, mm -hmm. And it takes no notice. And then I'll say something completely irrelevant and it will pop up and say, I didn't understand what you said, which is like... Wait, if you can imagine what it makes out of my accent as well. <laughs> you ask someone <laughs> some, for to do something, you get something completely different. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, the, the, and... the, worry th the worry thing is that uh, it, there's been that many um, problems recently of companies being hacked. And they're, they're, you know, like, O2 was one. Um, who else was there? There was a couple of companies that were hacked. Uh, OM... They used to own Flickr, um, Yahoo, uh, and they never let let know that you know that all your details had been hacked. And it was like two years down the road when they finally admitted to it. Yeah. So a lot, a lot, of your, a lot of your data is out there. And it's getting stolen. It's getting used, and that probably explains why you get a lot of spam calls and a lot of spam emails. It does. Your, this, this is your where your data's been sold. This yeah. is where an awful lot of this stuff comes from. Um, so um, that's why you should really be using apps like sudo yep. um, and, and other types of things like that to to put up a, a false email address, you know, a disposable email address or a disposable number. Um, that way you can at least try and keep some of your privacy safe. That is that is true. I'm a big I'm a big fan. I use both uh, sudo 
and um, yep. 33 mail. Um, mm-hmm. The 33 mail uh, is very good, even on the um, free level. It allows you to generate a you know a reasonable number of disposable um, mm-hmm. yeah. email addresses, and of, of course, uh, if you are using them as disposable, you simply you know you keep it there for a week or something, then you dispose it, and that slot is available to create another um, disposable email address. Well, the, um, the one thing, the one thing I've, I haven't been able to figure out is Apple announced uh, a way of um, making a disposable email address. Well, that, with a um, sign on. I've not seen that ever appear. No, on. I've not seen it appear no, because obviously it's... it relies on people um, actually taking it up and providing yeah. it as a service. And of course, how it actually worked was you would enter your details um, into sign sign in with Apple, and Apple mm-hmm. would generate a fake um email address to send you know to the service but um obviously it relies on people taking it up and i don't think i've seen many well i've not actually seen any services offering sign in with apple at the moment i don't don't think i've seen any uh, any of that at all uh, if i did i think i'd probably be okay with using it but all the other ones you see sign in with twitter sign in with facebook sign in with google i'm highly dubious of those and i prefer to generate um my own login and if that means using a pseudo mail or a um, 33 mail um account to do so that's what i do um could could it be it's a catalina service only that's why we're not seeing it well, I mean, I'm on on Catalina, and I've still never seen it. I don't think it's, yeah, uh, right. I don't think it's Catalina only per se. That was when they announced it, but mm-hmm. I, th- I don't think it relies on Catalina. I think it's a, an API that it requires service providers to um, right. tie into. Um, Hopefully, it starts getting taken up. Please. Yeah, I, I mean, I guess these things take a little bit of time. Um, mm-hmm. There we are. Apple have launched new smart battery cases for the iPhone 11, 11 Pro, 11 Pro Max, um, with apparently a dedicated phone button. Um, I don't know if that's a shortcut or a shutter button. Um, it's a shutter button for the camera. Is it? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I I kind of I kind of get why Apple would make smart battery cases for the phones, but on the other hand, um, since I've been on the 10R. I mean, my phone lasts pretty much all day. The only time I even get low is if, you know, on the weekend when I sit here for hours skimming through Apple News and, and the mm. blogs to um, correlate a load of stories for um, for the show. So yeah. um, you'd have to be a really heavy-duty user, I think, to... Um... Well, I'm, I'm, an, I'm, I'm an iPhone XR user, and I barely get through the day with the battery, but that's mainly because I use my iPhone is a, an iPod as well. So I'm constantly listening to Essential Apple and various other uh, podcast shows. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm burning away one hour of uh, you know, consuming shows. So maybe I'm a heavy user. I, to yes, I, I, I guess you would be probably considered if you're using yeah. it to play. I mean, I do listen to podcasts on mine, but not, not all day. Obviously, mm-hmm. I work in an office, so quite often if I'm listening to podcasts, I'm listening to yeah. through the browser on my... Um, on my desktop, but um, but even I, so, I, I mean, yeah. if you can pretty much get through the day on a 10R. Um, I've only ever once had an, an Apple uh, smart battery case, and I can't remember which model of phone it was. And it was certainly a very useful thing to, to have, because uh, it did allow me to get through the day. 
and more. Um, but it was an expensive buy then. And at the price, I think they're quoting about £145 or thereabouts. Yeah, well, I mean, this uh, is an Apple one. Other, you know, other, other it's smart a big, battery yeah, cases. It's a big investment. It is a big investment. And um, my problem with, um, you know, battery cases, uh, and, and this is me personally because I'm tight oh. and poor, um, is that you know pretty well that the chance of that case fitting your next phone is tending towards yep. zero. Yeah. Um, so I will admit I have a preference to um, buy if I do buy batteries. I tend to buy a pocket battery. You know, one of these. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Murphy. Yeah, well, or, or, or just similar. A, yeah, um, yeah. Which you keep charged up, keep in your pocket. Um, you mm-hmm. know, I use a. I have a short cable about four inches long, so that should I need to do that, I simply plug it in and I can hold the phone. You know, I can hold the battery in my hand with the phone in front of it, and it's just connected by a very short cable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. There we are. That's that's. But um. There we go. Apple have a new, announced new smart battery cases for the uh, iPhone 11 range for those of you who apparently burn battery like uh, there's no tomorrow. Um, perhaps if you work underground and have the have the flashlight on full all day, you're going to burn all your battery. There we are. And uh, Apple have uh, started work on a new $1 billion campus in Austin of Texas, uh, expected to open in 2022. Um, not a lot to say about that, really, other than, um, you know, Apple are expanding across the U.S., um, I, I suppose from um, you know from a U.S. political point of uh, view, that's a good thing, um, and it's probably good PR for Apple to be seen to be building you know factories and um, campuses in the U.S. rather than across the globe. But um, well, I mean, they're saying here that's about seven, talk about seven thousand new employees in Austin. Well, that, that's really good news for Austin. Very much. Uh, so. the, the, the worry is though that. Um, they often become reliant on Apple being there. Um, and the question is, what are they going to be doing there? Uh, is it software? Is it uh, manufacturing? It doesn't really tell you much. What no, it doesn't. Doing. It doesn't. I mean, um, obviously, famously, you know, Mr. Trump and uh, Uncle Tim visited the Austin factory where they're going to assemble the Mac Pros. Mm-hmm. Um which it is good news for you know for Americans again, as you say, um, seven thousand jobs for Austin is is good news. I think the thing that's important there is that where possible, you know, if they're going to have these campuses, that that um, workers are recruited from the area and not basically shipped in from elsewhere. Yeah, and another worry is um, hopefully it doesn't turn out like another. Um... I can't remember the place where they were talking about uh, new manufacturing. Um, it's one of the Apple suppliers were talked into opening up new factories uh, with lots and lots of jobs, and they bought people's houses and you know built cleared the land to build the factories. And apparently, they've they've never had anything in these factories, so hopefully, it's not going to turn out to be one big white elephant. No, be, um, being Apple, I wouldn't think so. But no, I I would yeah, think. Um, I would think with Apple, chances are if they're building a campus, mm. it's because they need a campus. Um, but yeah, I mean, there, there's always, you know, it's like the, um, what was it, the Amazon search for a second, um, you know, a, a second yeah. thing, yeah. which turned into an absolute farce. Um, mm-hmm. 
with cities bidding ludicrous amounts of money to try and attract them. And in the end, uh, I think they just gave up on the whole thing as, as a bad loss. Well, right. Maybe this, maybe this is Apple employing people to fix the, the media mobile iOS 13 problem. <laughs> let's I hope wish. so. Let's I hope wish. so. <laughs> yeah, let's hope so. Um, There we go. I'll tell you what... Uh, Jim, this is the bit where we normally uh, take a five-minute break um, mm-hmm. for uh, Nemo's Hardware Store. So um, I think what we can do is uh, get a cup of tea or open a fresh bottle of beer or whatever it is we're going to do, and um, mm-hmm. we okay. will um, go over to Nemo's Hardware Store, and we'll be back in a few minutes. Take it away, John. Welcome back to Nemo's Hardware Store here on the Essential Apple Podcast. Our friends at Kenex or Kenex, that's K-A-N-E-X, Kenex.com, has the Go Power Watch Stand with wireless charging base for Apple Watch plus iPhone. That's all one word, Go Power, G-O-P-O-W-E-R. Go Power Stand for Apple Watch plus wireless charging for iPhone, $80 in the U.S. It's a Qi or Qi-enabled charging flat round base. And you just set your iPhone on it and it charges. That's it. It works great. And then above it is a very cleverly and brilliantly designed angled charger. You'll have to go to see the link in our show notes here at Essential Apple to see the picture of how your watch just sets on this angled charger at just the right angle. So the watch resides, it sort of floats above your phone. So your phone is underneath it on the round base, and then the angled round charger that's elevated above has the watch. It's very, very straightforward. Excellent pictures on the website. If you're looking for a Qi or a Qi enabled charger for your newer phone, and a beautiful charger for your watch, K-A-N-E-X, Kenex.com, Go Power Stand for Apple Watch, plus wireless charging for the phone for the Apple Watch and the iPhone. This three-in-one stand safely charges and displays your Apple Watch and phone, plus another device all in one place, because there is a USB 2 port right next to the AC power port along the edge of the unit. So I'm plugging it into the wall right now using a North American power outlet. And then immediately next to the port where that connects to the base is a regular old USB 2 port. So you literally have a three-in-one charging capability. The instructions are on the box. And after you've had it for about 30 seconds, you will be able to understand exactly how it works and put it on your nightstand or your office table or wherever you charge your watch and or your phone. Well done, Kenex. You keep coming up with creative and well-designed and totally functional products for those of us here at Essential Apple and Nemo's Hardware Store. Back next week. Thank you for that, John. And as ever, all the links will be in the show notes. And uh, at this point, with, uh, you know, Black Friday 
Cyber Monday uh, and the holiday buying season, i.e. Christmas, coming up. Don't forget, if you're going to buy stuff from Amazon, doesn't have to be anything related to this show, please do us a favour. Go to EssentialApple.com, press the big red button, you can't miss it, it's enormous, and then go and do your shopping, and we will get a small kickback on what you spend. Doesn't cost you anything, you're not charged extra, we just get a few pennies in kickback, which we use to pay for hosting and uh, various things like that, you know, buying buying Mark a new microphone or some such, Uh, and there we are, so... Uh, thank you for everybody who uses the affiliate link. Um, right. Well, Jim, we're going to move on to the technology section, really. Um, okay. Uh, IBM has found its uh, Mac users to be more productive than PC users, and um, that's probably because they're not having to reinstall uh, Windows on the blue screen of death. Yeah, I mean this this story. Uh, it's something I guess that lots of us have heard anecdotally, uh, you know, a lot that um, Mac users are more productive, or um, you know, they cost less to support. Um, that IBM are careful to point out, however, in in their report that um, you know correlation is not causation. There could be all sorts of self-selecting uh, reasons why the you know Macintosh users appear to be more productive and cost less to support. But it uh, it's an interesting report, nevertheless, and uh, one that us Mac enthusiasts can use to uh, poke fun at uh, <laughs> Windows support uh, guys who are anti-Mac. Um, there we are. Um, I mean, did did you read that one, Jim, or did you just? Um, I didn't really get a chance. I've kind of skirted over it. Um, I suppose it depends on how many people working at IBM actually use Macs. Oh, a large, um, a large proportion uh, now. Surprisingly, yeah. You know, if you're used to working with one system, it's much easier to work with. Um, I'm not anti-Microsoft, but uh, I did find well, obviously when I used it, it was Windows ninety eight, which is. <laughs> Yeah, it's a long uh, yeah, time was, ago was, now. Yeah, was a long time ago. Yeah, but I wouldn't. I don't know if how how easy Windows is nowadays to use. Is it still? I mean, there's a lot of safe problems. Um, I would imagine there's a lot of bugs and things, but I don't know. I'm really it, guessing. It, I mean, you know, in in my experience, because I I do um, you know I do use uh, both. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, Windows ten, I, I find um, you know really quite easy and pleasant to use. Mm-hmm. It's it's the it's the more the administrative side of it which um you know yeah. I find quite can get difficult. Um, Microsoft... If it's easier to use, it's I mean it means you know you're more productive in the, the mm. day. Um, I mean, do they actually allow the people to use a Mac uh, OS and IBM to do their work, or are they actually still working on um, Microsoft software? Um, well, they uh, they have both. This this was the thing a few they years. They do have both. Right? Oh yeah, they have they have a large um a fairly large mm-hmm. percentage of their staff. They now effectively allow, allow most staff to choose if they wish to work on Macs or PCs. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I think they have about forty uh, percent of their users are on Macintoshes. Um, yeah, I mean they can still use the likes of uh, Microsoft Word to do you know that kind of side of the thing. Yeah. So it works in both operating systems. Exactly. Yeah, so... Macs are definitely easier to use, but um, again, you're back to what you're used to. I, I think that, 
yeah. I think that is a lot of it. That is a lot of mm -hmm. it. Um, you know, a lot of this kind of bitter rivalry of, um, you know, mm -hmm. Windows is better than Mac or vice versa is often just down to, you know, what you're used to. And when yeah. you switch to another system and things aren't where you expect them to be or don't work how you expect them to be, that's frustrating. But it, it doesn't mean either one is right or wrong, simply that yeah. they've taken a different approach. I, I have to admit, you know, when I use Windows, um, I do find it is, it is in the in the administration of the system that I get more frustrated, not using it day to day. Um, mm -hmm. I don't find that a problem. It, some parts of Windows are mired with a lot of, you know, historical... Um, yeah, legacy. Yeah. Legacy stuff, which means sometimes administrating some parts of the system is quite arcane. But, mm. you know... In many ways, Microsoft needs Microsoft needs to actually just say, right, on this certain date, we will no longer support legacy stuff. Uh, they're needing to clear out all the old stuff and start with a, a fresh uh, yeah, Windows I mean... 10. And if they want to, they could do like um, a, a, a version for you know industry. Uh, yeah, I think they would very much. Yeah, it, they're needing to do something like that because if they carry on the way they're carrying, it's going to get bogged down. Yeah, I'm, I'm, yeah. Not, anti, I'm not anti Microsoft. I mean, I, no. I've actually, you probably you know from Slack group comments that I've actually been seriously thinking about getting a, a Microsoft Surface Seven, um, mainly because it gives me the i the iPads. You know, we are working, but with a full operating system. So mm. I'm not anti, not anti Microsoft. No, I'm, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm not. I can see why the, I can see why the Mac users are more productive. Mm. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I'm very much with you on that. Um, and I think quite a lot of people, you know, industry analysts and, and, mm -hmm. and, and Microsoft keep kind of attempting it a bit. They have, you know, with Windows X and and. Um, mm -hmm. you know, Windows S and, and these various other things which don't I I think they're they're almost in a position that Apple were in, but Apple had much more leeway to kind of burn it to the ground, especially when they yeah. started with Windows you know, with my uh, Mac OS ten was to burn everything to the ground and say, Right, well, sorry, we're gonna start again. Um mm -hmm. And Windows has done that to some extent, but there is a lot of stuff. I think they almost need to build two versions. You know, you need, yeah, like I mean, the Microsoft for the industry shooting. and and Microsoft for consumers very much. Yeah, the, 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 they keep shooting themselves in the foot because they keep bringing out um, what was what was the, the the previous tablet version that they had. Well, they, they had um, oh, yeah. yeah, the the one that wasn't really Windows. Yeah, and it, it flopped big time. And then they, they brought out this new uh, Surface Pro X or 10, which yeah, yeah, and it turns out that that's a specialized system. Um, it doesn't run is it 32 bit or 64 bit, no, it's like a 64 bit, but it runs on ARM, bit. it runs on yeah. ARM. So, um, so, so they've kind of shot themselves. Well, they're, they're but, basically um, put I, did, in I did read, I did read yeah. that they are working on, um, x86 emulation for that system yeah. so that yeah. um eventually this uh windows x version will be able to run um you know I traditional so, apps. yeah i hope so because it deserves to actually succeed as a love looting device yes um it, it's, it's it's what the ipad should have been 
it's a it's a very nice um a very nice looking bit of kit yeah. um you know no i'm certainly not uh, anti microsoft at all um mm-hmm. uh, while we're on that subject microsoft is apparently now allowed to sell software uh, software to huawei once again um mm-hmm. they've been given a us export license uh probably for windows and office software so uh huawei will be able to you know resume selling microsoft uh, powered laptops. Mm-hmm. Um, not sure what so that signal. How does so? How does that affect their uh, their phones? Because there not was there not a, a ban on the, the software for their phones? Um. Yeah. Well, that was that, that was part of the same thing. Whether or not same um, thing, right? It was all part of the same thing. But obviously, Microsoft have um, put in for some kind of exemption um, mm-hmm. and and have been allowed to uh, sell software licenses to Huawei. Um, I mean, it's all it's, part of this silly push and shove political. Yeah, I, yeah, I've got a friend who bought one of their phones, and when they brought it with this ban, his worry was that all his his software wouldn't work after. Um, you know. No, I mean, in in all that they basically did was the U.S. administration said you are not allowed to sell or give Huawei any more of your stuff. So right. it would have been a case of Google couldn't. Um, let Huawei have a newer version of um, of Android. So right. anything okay. that you had, which was already up and working, would continue to work perfectly well. It's, um, mm-hmm. But, I mean, Huawei started working on this, um, I can't remember what it was called now, Harmony, Harmony OS, I think. Yeah, yeah. Which, which was interesting. Whether or not they'd ever be able to get that off the ground, I don't know. But mm-hmm. um, like so many of these things, uh, as we've said on this show before, this is it's not as straightforward as it seems, is it? Because the yeah. whole technology industry is a, a global web and everybody is reliant on everybody else. So. Well, so, 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 well, Samsung tried a similar idea. They 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 developed an operating system and the possibility of being you know forced out of Android. Uh, so they've, they've all got. I would suspect they've all got some kind of backup uh, somewhere. You, oh you know, yeah, I'm sure they have. Uh, um, yeah. And of course, um, you know, Android itself is open source, so um, mm-hmm. there's nothing to prevent uh, Huawei or Samsung or whatever taking the pure open source part of android and building um mm-hmm. building on that i mean the difference is that the open source doesn't contain you know things like the google store the play store the google services and all mm-hmm. that but i mean a company as big as huawei or samsung i'm pretty sure could build their own infrastructure um particularly huawei because obviously they've they've got a huge market in china which um don't yeah. have access to google anyway so but so what what's actually changed to make them uh you know, say, okay, you can you can sell it again. Who knows? Who knows? Politics, politics, yeah. politics. Yeah. Um, I suspect the they will have probably. I mean, this is pure speculation on my part, but I suspect Microsoft will have said, um, you know, if you stop us exporting these uh, Windows and Office licenses to Huawei, they're either going to pirate it, mm-hmm. or you know, or um, or we're going to lose a lot of money, and it's not. You know, there's nothing mission critical in there. There's nothing. Yeah. There's no. There's no secret information in that in that um, software, which is somehow going to help. You know, China overthrow the United States. So, yeah. um, it could be commercial pressure being put on. Almost certainly. Yeah, almost America. certainly. It will yeah. all come down to the money in the end. That's it. That's money. Uh, there we go. Um, Motorola 
have um, launched a new Raza, uh, Razor, take your Razor, kick. yeah. Um, it looked interesting, and it's an awful lot of money, but it did look interesting. Yeah, very, very interesting. I mean, I, I, I once had a, a Razor Razor. Um, a nice phone, but the operating system was hell, uh, to put it mildly. Um, but the idea is good. I like the idea of a folding phone. Um, well, of course, this this one is basically Android, so uh, mm-hmm. the hell of your uh, Symbian-powered razor yeah. uh, is in the past. <clears throat> still, this, there's still the worry of um, how durable these screens are. Yeah, you know, um, I mean, because they're saying that they're you know they'll last the lifetime of the phone. But what's the lifetime of a phone? I mean, yeah. most most folk will have treated in within a year or two. But is it hang on to the phone? What is the lifetime? You know, mm. it's, is it four years, five years? I've had four years quoted, and at one thousand five hundred pounds or thereabouts. Yeah, that's it's a lot the- of money for. F- a few years. It is. It is. Um, but um, also, it's not. It's a lot of money for a phone. It's not really um, feature rich. Uh, the camera's not as good, uh, and a few other things are not as good. Uh, I think you're paying paying for the. You're the, paying for the kudos of having a folding yeah. phone, I think, and a certain yeah. amount of nostalgia for the Razer brand. Mm-hmm. But I think it's more. It's, I think it's a better idea than the the, the, the other folding phones. Um, I think it's less likely to get to get dashed. Some, although if you if you've seen the video of the the the, uh, the phone being folded, you can see a gap underneath green as it you know curves over. Mm. So. That's another possible place for that's always a point did, of, um, you know, yeah, something getting in and doing damage. So, yeah, I mean, that was the problem with the you know, with those, um, once they the, the Samsung folds that they mm. let out, they yeah. had that gap and stuff within a day, people were getting stuff inside their phone and yeah, breaking the screens. Ah, well, I we're nearly to, at the end, yeah, yeah, I have to say, the phone, the, the Microsoft phone that's supposed to be coming out next year. Uh, looks more appealing to me than these folding screen ones and it's two separate screens yes I think, um, I think the technology is too new yeah folding screens folding yeah. screens I, I think I'm T- with you there time will tell time will tell but um, also I you're paying an awful lot of money to go back to one of those squidgy plastic screens which we all hated so much um, yeah well I mean I can, I can I, I'm warned about the price of the iPhone uh, iPhone 10 so <laughs> yeah, I'll no be buying. Yeah, well, this is even higher, <laughs> <laughs> as they say on Dragon's Den. And uh, on that point, I'm out. Mm-hmm. Here we are. Um, and that's pretty much it. Of course, uh, we were going to talk about Elon Musk and his uh, Tesla Cybertruck, which mm-hmm. is probably the last big story. Um, obviously, I'm pretty sure you've probably seen it, uh, Jim. In fact, I think it might have been you. Put a link in the Slack room. Uh, yeah, pretty interesting looking thing. Uh, interesting is one word for it. <laughs> Ugly is another word, but yes, well, yeah. I, I think they're very polarised. Yeah, you either like it or you don't. I think you very much do. And for anybody who's um, not seen it, um, do go and have a look. I'm sure you have. It's all over the web. Um, it looks like a low poly sci-fi um, model from Mad something Max like comes to yeah, Mad Max, yeah. or um, I was going to say to some extent Jerry Anderson. Um, yeah, that's true. Uh, I think you either like the style or you don't. Um, I mostly like it. I'm not keen on the. I'm not keen on the wheel arches. I, th- I thought there perhaps a, a bit of curve over the wheel arches wouldn't have hurt it. But mm. um, 
It comes in one, two, or three electric motor versions. Um, and prices, I think, start at a relatively reasonable, sort of 30000 plus. Mm-hmm. Um, I think if you go all the way up to the full, you know, three motor um, heavy haulage version, it would probably set you back something like uh, 80000 But um, very interesting, very interesting. Of course, there was a lot of uh, laughter garnered because... Um, for anybody who hasn't seen it, uh, when Elon uh, announced, brought it on the stage, uh, he hit it with a uh, sledgehammer to prove how tough the panels were, um, which was great. And then he got one of the developers to throw a steel ball at the apparently armoured glass windows, uh, which were supposed not to break and uh, broke. <laughs> Quite spectacularly. Yeah, it's a bit like that BBC click program where the, there was, the, they were trying out this uh, unbreakable phone and the guy was demonstrating it hit it against the surface and it smashed yeah, uh, yeah. it probably was fine in, in demo yeah yeah but, uh, it's the curse yeah. of tomorrow's world um yeah that's it after uh, after the event uh, elon did release um a video of him mm-hmm. and the, the same guy uh, before the launch, throwing this steel ball at the uh, windows of the truck, and it uh, was unscratched. Uh, seems to me that they might have been a little bit over-enthusiastic uh, testing it out, um, mm-hmm. and then I suspect they probably should have changed the glass before they did it on stage, because um, a lot of people are saying that although, you know, in testing, the, they didn't break the windows, they probably introduced a lot of micro-fractures into the glass yeah. so that when they hit it, let's face it, as you said to me before the show, Jim, you know, if you hit something enough times with a hammer, it's going to uh, dent or smash. So The only saving grace is what Elon said. It didn't go through. So no, it definitely, no, it didn't go through. Yeah. I mean, it definitely did what it was supposed mm. to do. I mean, it's obviously super, uh, you know, laminated or whatever it is. Um, but it was, it was quite amusing. <laughs> it was quite amusing. Look at yeah. our super unsmashable glass. It, it makes you, it, it makes you feel, uh, not feel. Uh, it makes you more impressed with um, Apple's demos of uh, products from years mm. ago. There's the one where they they built the the uh, was it a laptop they built, and the guy assembled it stage bit by bit by bit, and when he switched it on, it worked. Mm. You know, you, yeah, you just wonder, you know, they got away with that one. Yeah, these these demos should otherwise it can be a hit and a miss. Indeed, literally. yes. <laughs> Perhaps he should have missed. There we are. Ah oh, dear. So um. I'll move on to the worth of chirps. Um, the worth of chirps this week are um, claim 30% off everything in the Affinity Black Friday event. Um, everything from Seraph Affinity, 30% off from uh, the 25th of November through to the 3rd of December, including Affinity Photo, um, Affinity Designer, Affinity Publisher, um, various uh, add-ons, um, you know, brush packs, uh, the workbooks, and, well, basically everything from Affinity. So uh, if you're interested in uh, picking up anything from them, that's worth looking at. And Skylum, makers of Luminar, have a Black Friday Cyber Monday deal, which is running from November the 27th to December the 2nd. Um, There will be uh, a bundle 
There's uh, bundle one is $79 and includes Luminar 4 and two bonus uh, items of your choice. There's a, a large list of bonuses available. Um, bundle two will be $99. Uh, that is Luminar 4 and five bonus uh, pieces of your choice. And if you want to go the whole hog, bundle three is $129 and will be Luminar 4 and all the available bonuses. Um, I did notice uh, in their press release for this that um, I believe one of the bonuses alone is worth $80. So, uh, you know, <laughs> that's a pretty good deal. There we are. Um, and just a snippet for uh, what it's worth. Best graphic design software for 2020, designing for print and printing. Uh, Tech Radar have a list of, uh, you know, graphic design apps and uh, Affinity Designer is rated number one. So there you go. Well. Plus, you don't have to pay a subscription. No, you don't have to pay a subscription. Uh, we are we're all big fans of Affinity here. <laughs> yep. There we go. Um, well, I think that probably wraps it up, James. So. Um, mm-hmm. If Hopefully would... people have actually survived this long and got through to the end. Nothing <laughs> bored them silly. <laughs> well, I hope not. I hope not. Um, our viewing, you know, listening figures seem to suggest that we have enough people who find us Ooh. relatively Ooh. interesting. There oh we go. Dear. Oh dear. <laughs> <laughs> That'll be going down drastically this week. <laughs> I'm sure they that's, won't. I'm sure they won't. For having a uh, podcast virgin on the show. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, this is usually where we get people to announce where they can be found around the web. So uh, if you'd like to tell everybody where you can be found, uh, Jim. I can be found in the uh, Slack group. And also you can find uh, me through the Essential Apple Flickr um, group as well on the Flickr website. Excellent. Excellent. Um, I, of course, can be found on the Twitters as at Serenak, S-E-R-E-N-A-K. Um, and the uh, the show is at Essential Apple. All of our stuff is over at EssentialApple.com. And uh, this is where I'd like to say thank you to all the slackers. Um, Mac Jim being one of said. And if you'd like to join in the madness of the Slack room... All you have to do is follow the link in the show notes. Um, link also to uh, James's Essential Apple Flickr group. And uh, I think that's probably about it. Thank you to everybody who supports the show. Uh, you know, whether it's on Patreon, whether it's through the Pinecast Tips Jar, whether it's by bludgeoning your friends to listen to it, whether they like it or not, um, and all the rest. So um, I think at that point, We'll wrap it up, shall we? Yes, I'll be fine. All right, so it's then. good night from me. And it's good night from him. So there you go. <laughs> Bye, everybody. Bye. You've been listening to the Essential Apple Podcast. And I'd like to say if you enjoy the show and would like to support us, feel free to go over to the website essentialapple.com and you will find links to both Patreon and the Pinecast Tips Jar, where you can make a donation towards the costs of the show. Uh, Or even if you're really keen, you could set up a recurring payment. And thank you very, very much to all the people who already do support us. We really do appreciate you very much indeed. 
This show is, of course, part of the My Mac Podcasting Network, where you can find a variety of other shows like the My Mac Podcast with Guy and Gaz, the G-Men, Tech Fan with Tim and David, the Nintendo Club Podcast, the Geekiest Show Ever, the Three Geeky Ladies, uh, Bart Bouchotts and his wonderful Let's Talk Apple, and possibly some more that I've forgotten. So why not go over to mymac.com, take a look at the available podcast, and take a listen. My gal pals, Elisa, Susie, and Vicky, the three geeky ladies, told me to remind you that they will release a new podcast each month. So, check them out at 3geekyladies.com or subscribe in iTunes. The Three Geeky Ladies, part of the My Mac Podcasting Network. This has been the Essential Apple Podcast. We hope you enjoyed the show and we look forward to you joining us again another time. Until then, goodbye.